environmentalists score a big win. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report about water. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. After Hurricane Harvey dumped more than 50 inches of rain in the Houston area, people were concerned about the pollutants in floodwaters. Reporters from the New York Times were curious, too, but neither the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality nor the EPA would provide any information as to what they were testing or what they found. So the Times took on this task itself by asking the Baylor College of Medicine to put together a team to test floodwaters as people started to return to their homes. The testing done on September 5th revealed that E. coli levels, usually from fecal contamination, were 135 times higher than what's considered safe. They also detected lead, other metals, and even liquid mercury beads, which are very dangerous. People were also worried about what they smelled in the air, especially near a Valero Energy refinery. The Texas Tribune reports that the EPA took measurements over several days but has not released any specific information, simply saying that the concentrations of chemicals in the air, such as benzene, met Texas health guidelines. Environmental groups then took on the task of testing and informing the public about the specific levels of pollutants. The results show that in numerous locations, benzene levels far exceeded what would be acceptable in California, but were under the much less stringent Texas standards. Pollution experts said that by the time EPA started its sampling, much of the benzene would have dissipated. However, last week the EPA demanded that Valero turnover records related to the release of benzene and other compounds. The agency also announced on Thursday that Valero significantly underestimated the amounts of chemicals that had been released during the hurricane. This is important to both countries. That's what a California state official said about the proposed agreement between Mexico and the U.S. that will hopefully head off severe water shortages along the Colorado River Basin. The agreement, dubbed Minute Number 323 to the 1944 Mexican Water Treaty, will extend provisions that reduce deliveries during shortages and increases them in wet periods. The Desert Sun reports that Mexico will continue to store water in Lake Mead near Las Vegas, which is intended to to keep the level high enough to avoid triggering dramatic cutbacks. The present agreement is set to expire at the end of this year, and the new one will still need approval of various U.S. and state authorities. Nevertheless, a signing ceremony has been scheduled at the end of the month, both in Juarez, Mexico, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. Environmentalists won a major victory this past week when an appellate court decided that the federal government must consider the effects of climate change when permitting land for coal mining. In the past, the government has argued that coal leasing on federal lands will not affect climate change because the coal could simply be mined elsewhere. But the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals wasn't persuaded and told a lower court to seek more analysis from the Bureau of Land Management, which permitted the leases. Jeremy Nichols with Wild Earth Guardians told the Associated Press that the decision is big and they will be using it to confront other mining approvals. His organization and the Sierra Club had sued to block leases at the two biggest mines in the U.S., both in the Powder River Basin of Wyoming. In the meantime, mining will continue at three of the contested leases that the BLM granted to Peabody Energy and Arch Coal. 
even before a major earthquake struck Chiapas in southern Mexico about a week ago, another problem was plaguing some local townspeople. Their water was disappearing. Truthout reports that in thousands of towns across Mexico, corporate water consumption is taking precedence over local needs. Juan Urbano, a former local government official in Chiapas, said that to get water, some people have to walk two hours a day and others are forced to buy it. Some are placing the blame on a Coca-Cola bottling plant that consumed over one million liters of water from wells per day in 2016. Communities near the plant are suffering water shortages. But there are no shortages for the Coke plant, which now has two wells. Antonino Garcia of Chipango University sees a direct link between the deep wells of the bottling plant and the disappearing water for locals. Earlier this year, a United Nations representative said that there is sufficient evidence that Mexico is violating people's rights to water and sanitation in Chiapas. And finally... Octopuses are solitary creatures, thought to be loners who socialized only to mate and otherwise spent time in their rocky dens with a do not disturb sign out front. Or so scientists thought until they discovered Octopolis off the eastern coast of Australia where researchers observed 16 octopuses living together around a man-made, heavily encrusted metal object. Interesting as it was, it was considered an anomaly. But research out this month in the journal Marine and Freshwater Behavior and Physiology documents another encampment just a few hundred meters away from Octopolis. Dubbed Octlantis, it has 23 dens on three patches of rocks, each surrounded by mounds of shells along with a collection of fishing lures and beer bottles. There, in this octopus's garden, the creatures live in perfect harmony. Not. Octopuses are known to fight constantly, and Octlantis is no exception, with scientists observing the octopuses evicting each other out of homes and acting aggressively by elongating their bodies and changing color. But that said, they are hanging out together, which the researchers find intriguing and a bit confounding. More study will be needed, but lead author David Scheel of Alaska Pacific University told Quartz he thinks it might be a generational thing and that future offspring might evolve to be more willing to share space. Something we might call an Occupy movement. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association. Water quality experts will present the latest science and research in the field at WQTC in Portland, November 12th through 16th. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash WQTC. I'd ask my friends to come.